We have a <clears throat> primary state, state of being, and, a, and also the experience of behavior, identity. Uh, to use, a, use an analogy, as we practice, we can all come to a quality of just being, breathing, being a simple body energy. Uh, it's something we can touch into or work with, or that's, that's a practice, isn't it? You know, it is just a sense of that equilibrium where there's just uh, the body breathing, the energy moving through. You know, it's a primary state. Or the sense of just feeling a body, feeling the warmth, the pressures, the movements, the fluidity, these elemental properties in the body. That might say is the primary bodily state. And then from that also with men or women, old or young, sick or well, um, whatever's happening, kind of like as events, sometimes difficult, painful, disruptive, uneven, wonderful, whatever. So that you could say is the behavioral state, body behavioral state. It's changing all the time. Then, but underneath that, there's always just earth, air, fire, water. Primary state of solidity, experience of, of weight, mass, ex- occupying a space, um, sense of warmth, vitality, or however it's, it's diminished or great. The sense of movement, it's the movement of the breathing, pulses, so forth in the body, you can feel flushes, tingles, movements, and there's also liquidity the way that it's all whole, held together and resonates, it's, it's contiguous. So, this is primary bodily state, and then at certain times, we find ourselves dull or up or down or whatever, and these elements take on particular behaviors, you know, so it's very rigid or heated up, or dull and stale, or seemingly brittle, or tight. You know, you can look at these or contemplate these as elemental properties, just like you're looking at some kind of incredibly plastic formation that can tighten up or harden or bristle or jump or whatever it is. Uh, and so you're taking some of the um, identity out of that, Let's look at it very primary sense, primary sense of the body. And you can use breathing, or the primary breathing, which is this quality of of an inner vitality that goes along with respiration. So you have chi and prana, these are all forms or ways of expressing breath energy. And if you can tune into that, you can spread that through the whole body, so this balances the elements, it, it produces a, it kind of equalizes everything, brings harmony so you might say is a basic Buddhist inner yoga or contemplative yoga you know, samadhi you know, we're putting it it takes you back to the basic primary state of in this, in this sense body and just to know you, there is that, whether the body's moving up, down, 
standing, sitting, lying down, experiencing pain, short or small, whatever it is. You know, those are differentiations. Those are particular local characteristics or temporary characteristics. We call that the behavioral level. You know, and it changes. We've all been small. We've all been strong. We've all been weak. We've all been sick. And so on. So when you, re- when you return to that, this is a way of also returning to the primary mind, you might say, mind behind the behavioral mind. So the behavioral mind is uh, excited or bored or happy or sad, angry or joyful. You know, it's kind of producing behaviors. We all have these. And, um, you know, and you get tangled up in them, you can regret them, be elated over them. So you get behaviors, and you get behaviors about behaviors, and the behaviors about the behaviors you have about behaviors, and so on. You get this kind of hall of mirrors where you're a bit upset because neurotic about your anger, which you feel guilty about. You know, so it just goes on and on and on. And you look at it, and you add another behavior on top of that. But um, when we come to the, the, the benefit or of samadhi, you know, you know, to make too much of that, just touching into the primary bodily sense is that primary bodily sense does resonate with the primary mental sense. So when you come to that primary body sense, the mind itself starts to drop its behavior, kind of loosens up. So that it resonates. The body and the mind are essentially not separate in an, in an energetic way. We've only got one nervous system, runs the whole show. We've only really got kind of one basic energy component. And it, or body and mind arise from that. Yeah. And you can obviously becomes apparent that when you're upset, you can feel that in your body. When you feel happy, your body feels warm, bright. When you feel depressed, your body feels tight or flat, or choked. When you feel angry, it bristles. You, know? you feel these energies shift and change. So they're really, they're co-relative, they're not separate. So when we come to the primary body, we also t- come to the primary mind. It's called the, the Mahachitta, the great mind, or the unconstricted Sometimes they call it big mind in different ways. People have different ways of talking about this. You know, it's primary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a great place to be. Because <laughs> it feels kind of peaceful and, you know, all those messy problems aren't happening. Those identity issues aren't happening. You know, this is kind of cool. I like to hang out here a bit more. <laughs> so, which is all... Uh, uh, understandable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is a, a, a very helpful reference, but it's it's not the end of the story, <laughs> because there is such a thing as behaviour, and we we do come into behaviours, we, we function and so forth. So really, the deconditioning is to so that you know one's the behaviors that arise are coming from a place of clarity rather than a place of confusion. Mm-hmm. This is very helpful to keep coming back to this primary 
mind, this primary body, and then, you know, checking in with that. So when you're feeling, you know, particular moods and mind states arise, you know, once you've touched this, once you've sensed that, once you know that, then practice is really, wherever you're at, how to return to the primary. Not even being in a hurry about it, not out of aversion, but just like it's generally associated with pausing, here I am getting up in myself again, feeling a bit guilty about it, wondering whether everybody else has noticed it, wondering what I should do about it. Oh dear, more and more behavior stacking up on top of that little thing. And then, okay, pause, wait, you know, loosen, widen, soften, and there can be this kind of return. And so, you know, you get that, that possibility. And the more you do that, the less your behaviors become to, you know, you don't keep adding more stuff to it. You eventually add less and less behaviors. Here's me blowing it, okay. Right. Ah, you know, end of that one, end of that story. You know. So, you know, this is really a uh, very helpful thing. So when you're practicing in a retreat, that chance to allow certain behaviors to arise as you get more confident and then what's that about and meeting it with awareness loose softening loosening and then returning back to something primary and also it's got to be quite innocent that is you can't say okay let's get back to the basics, let's back, get back to the unconstricted mind, because that's another piece of ego behavior, isn't it? That's me taking hold of this thing and manipulating it. It's got to be very, very kind of full, that is quite innocent, quite, you know, I don't really know if this is going to work, you know. Just pause and wait here, and loosen, and let go of the hope, or the fear, or the fluster, or the whatever it is, and you know, kind of like a surrender or a relinquishment. Allowing that behavior to dissolve. And of course, you've got to be, um, you know, when when you kind of get a sense of that, the the snag is that the mind goes to default. That is, it looks to make things automatic. It looks to be able to manipulate so when you, once you can do it, once it's happened once or twice, you think, oh, I can do this kind of thing. That's really neat. So, <laughs> so the, you know, you, you kind of start uh, manipulating it. It isn't really this, the same thing. It's you know, producing a, uh, a kind of a, a facsimile of, of, the, of this uh, uncontracted mind, which is another front. So it has to be a, actually a real open and honest, unconditioned acceptance without guaranteeing it's going to go anywhere, any better, any worse, any resolutions, any insights, any understanding, anything. It's that, it's that kind of unconditioned. Then there can be that descent you know, back to a more primary 
state. So you can learn a lot about how manipulative one's mind is. You try to wangle it a bit. Or it's also, um, you know, to become rather glib about behavior, like behavior doesn't really matter because I can always, I can always release out of it. You know. But of course it's still, you know, all behavior is something to have a, uh, a sense of awareness of and conscience around because some of it um, kind of solidifies so that you don't really release it. becomes identity. The, the more solid, the more, more of an identity it becomes, yeah, the more you create karma around that and your life starts to support it. You get into feedback loops where you establish lifestyles and relationships and contexts that are dependent upon you being a certain series of behaviours that's difficult to release. And of course, you know, this is one of the the big stories of all for all our lives, isn't it? You know, we become a particular role or function, and then people keep seeing you that way as the capable or the dependable or the idiot or the whatever it is, you know. And then you you find yourself kind of operating in that way. And it becomes very difficult to really be nobody again. Or you get st- stuck in particular, you know, guilt and regret patterns. So certain behaviours, unskillful karma, definitely is more difficult to let go of because it gets a whole lot of guilt and regret um, patterns that are very difficult to, to, to be with because they're so painful. Really, it's, it's, not, it's not that easy to let go and have been a success either because there's a kind of inflationary glee with that that one kind of uh, enjoys. You feel, you know, why successful people tend to be driven, you know, highly, highly driven. You know. um, and then you've got to make another success because you just the success becomes a drug it sends a charge through the system. You only feel normal. You only feel complete if you're succeeding. And, how <laughs> and the success lasts only so long. And then I've done that. And now the next race, the next mountain, the next deal, the next whatever. You know, because without that, I feel kind of weak or feeble or unfulfilled <laughs> or pointless or bored. Or, you, know, so you get the success drug. And then we get the failure drug, which somehow I only feel comfortable when I'm beating myself up because I know that one, and I, you know, that's the kind of become a, a sort of body for me, familiar peace. This is what calm is about. It's it's eerie, in that it creates a kind of solidity, which um, is even more sought for than pleasure. The two primary things that beings seek. One is pleasure and the other is stability. 
And stability will override pleasure. Yeah. So this is why we keep reinventing ourselves every day. Every day you wake up for maybe a few seconds, there's that moment you don't know who you are, and then immediately the system gets to work on filling in all the details <laughs> of who you are and why you are and why you shouldn't and what you're going to do next about it, and oh my goodness. Suddenly there you are, you know, born again. Born again Buddhist, which is <laughs> generally... <laughs> Uh, not, not a state of unconditioned love. You know, the solidity becomes a kind of... Uh, because then, you know, this, this is called the hunger for being, or bhava, hunger for being, bhava tanna. So you notice how, you know, the mind goes towards certain the most familiar patterns are the most patterns that have got the most potency in them. And some of these are negative. You know, the ones that have got the charge in it, the ones that have got the most vitality in it, even if it's a kind of sick vitality, like um, you know, the victim or the betrayed or the useless or the failure or whatever it is. You know, they've got a kind of... A, there's, a, there's, an, there's an energy charge in those. So we keep coming back to that. And that kind of acts as a, as a blueprint, and then whatever we do, we kind of sh- place that on top of that blueprint, and lo- there it is, you know. Uh, I've been oppressed in a meditation retreat. I was oppressed at home. I was oppressed as a child, now I'm oppressed in a meditation retreat. I'm an oppressed being. <laughs> and yeah, you know, we're all oppressed beings. You know? <laughs> Somewhere or another. I'm an oppressed monk. <laughs> I'm oppressed by the Buddha. He's <laughs> always telling me what to do, what I shouldn't be. <laughs> Think you got problems, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, then you go into that and it becomes oh the energy in it. Because mm-hmm. that's the way it is, that that certain things that, that capture us capture attention. Attention has energy and you get a kind of pattern established on a level of of energy, you know, like a magnetic current creates a particular field, and your ego form just shimmies into that shape again, again and again. So you've got to be really careful with karma about what you deliberately intend to, or even what you take seriously, what you really, you know, because some of it comes from not so much what you've done, but what you've kind of had done to your become. And you actually picked up and accepted. You know, like, uh, okay, you know, so in my case here, they, after a while, you know, they, I, you know, I came to monitor yourself, oh, just watch your breath, you'll be all right, and that's it. Oh, great. You know, and then after they start calling you something, like, oh, you're the, you're the person in charge of this, you're the person who's doing it. Oh, I'm the person who's doing that. And then you're the abbot. And I said, what does an abbot... Nobody ever gave me a book on what an abbot is supposed to do or be, but 
all I found out was it was a phrase that people would use when things went wrong. (laughs) 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 And you generally get brown manila envelopes with the abbot written on them. And they're generally things like problems or uh, complaints or, you know, statistics. Things like that. Oh, so, oh, that's what I am. So after you kind of believe it and you get the something, you accept it, you take it on. Oh, well, I've got to be good at this, make it work, because I am the, you know. So a lot of your functions, your behaviors are caught up with trying to support this function which nobody's actually defined what it is. <laughs> you know, there's a sense of acquiring a shape and then that shape, you want to make it good or satisfying or complete or approved of or welcome or, you know, whatever it is. And, of course, that's only ever going to be partial, isn't it? You know, it's only going to be sort of like 50-50 or sometimes good, sometimes bad, whatever. That feeling there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you because you didn't get it right, did you? Yeah. So it could be, you know, you know, the whatever your job is, or whether you're a mother or a father, you didn't get it right, did you? <laughs> or a wife or a husband or whatever, you know, however you, you take a form, because forms are their their condition, they are they're always going to be some good, some bad, you know, they're like that. And particularly social forms, because they're very much up to what everybody else thinks about it. You know, how well you fulfilled everybody else's wishes. <laughs> Which is, of course, <laughs> a loser's game. And some of these forms are quite subtle. You know, they just arise. Say, you know, after what you, say you become, you start a little meditation group. Hey, I like to meditate. It's really nice meditating. It's a great thing to do. Why don't you come round my house and sit for a while with me? Yeah, okay. So after about three or four sessions, you are, you are the leader of the group, right? It's your, so you've got to make it work for everybody, you know? Things like that. I don't like, some people like, I don't like chanting. I like chanting. I want to sit for half, I don't want to sit for so long, you know. I like to sit for a long time, you know. I like to hear a tape, I don't like to hear tapes, I've heard all that stuff. <laughs> Why can't we discuss things? I'm sick of discussing things, just be quiet, you know. I want to be quiet. I don't want to care if everybody says, Nat, I've got enough of it. Why don't we have a dialogue? You know, I want to know how you feel. I don't want to know how you feel, I'm interested. <laughs> And then, well, it's your group. Why don't you make it work? (laughs) (laughs) Brings out the worst in people, doesn't it? (laughs) See, how do they get into this shtick anyway? (laughs) Because you're taking on a form, and the forms kind of evolve. But you always got to re- realize there is a certain responsibility for behavior. But behavior 
has to be based really on the primary sense, what arises from my mind, what is arising from my mind, rather than the secondary sense, that is, what's arising from the function or the identity or the role, you know. You understand? No. So in other words, is my behavior just a kind of trying to support myself as a good guy, as a good monk, or as a Karl King Buddhist, or as an abbot? Is my behavior trying to kind of hold this thing up as, look, you know, I'm, I'm really good monk, I'm really, you know, my, I'm a good abbot, I know how to teach Dhamma, I'm a great Dhamma teacher, so for goodness sake, keep doing the things that will make that look good, you know? <laughs> Study and learn the words, and think, let me think. I've got to have two jokes, five talks, and then go. A <laughs> couple of pseudo references, great talk, roll it out, you know. Because it can work also, but you know, you, think, you want to do that. So your behavior is kind of really coming from. A secondary source, you know, that is your, the, your identity, your function, already coming from a primary source. That is, what's arising, nothing much actually, you know. And then from this silence, perhaps, sense of goodwill, you know. So the things that come from the, the great mind or the unconstricted mind, qualities of kindness, Compassion, clarity, truthfulness. Just take, take it from there. So that's what you're responsible for, ultimately. Beauty is actually that um, you know, for when you're in a meditation, people, we can all tune into that. sense in which there's something very real about that. Touches us. So behavior is important to actually acknowledge where, you, where the behaviors are coming from. So you then just start to check. Because these identity forms... There's obvious ones, but there are subtle ones. They will tend to start to form as soon as you get familiar with the situation, you'll start to become something within that. So, day three of the retreat, you become a meditator. Day two, maybe, you become something with it. Then you've got to sort of be good at it, or make it work, or get something out of it. You become something there. You can do a bounty yogi chore, you know, day one you're just doing something, then by day three you are the bathroom cleaner. <laughs> and that bathroom's going to look like nothing else. I've never been in a bathroom like this before. And one of the guys, and he actually cleaned his cootie with a toothbrush. You know, a cootie's a little meditation hut. He got so into this cleaning his cootie, he got a little toothbrush, he's cleaning every nail, every. It took him days to clean his cootie. You know. In the sense in which you just 
the desire for form, desire to be something, can, in these rather renunciant situations where there's not a lot of uh, action going on, you can contemplate, you can see more clearly that desire to be bhava, taking, forming you into something. In the practice, there was the acknowledge that as the form comes up, the pressure of it, the stressing of it, the expectation. It's only got a time frame in it, you know, like how long for, when will I get to, or how can I make this better? It's got some sense of development in, into it. Barbara was always about development, the fear of decline, the sense you may be declining or not being good enough. Has all these kind of nuances in it. That's that's the smell, that's the taste of bhava. It always is moving on to something else, and it's forming, and you become something in that form. It's a kind of hallucinatory um, reality to it. You get into a trance with it. And then. It's not to be, not to make any judgment, not to add more behaviours on top of that. You know, like start being bitter or negative or or about that. It's, uh-huh. hmm. Interesting. What does it feel like? Feel it? You know, can you? How does it feel in your heart? Do you feel yourself getting kind of revved up or tight about it, defending something, bristling, trying to build something up? Feel the, the subtle pressures and tensions and stresses then widen, soften. You don't you don't need this. You don't need this. Because you can't win at it. You can't win at this game. There are no winners. Just some people take a lot longer losing than others. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the lucky ones are the ones who start to lose quite quickly. <laughs> you know, so then you can kind of, something you can come out to the, to back to a primary state. And this is, you know, one way in which we look at practice is that return, relief. So you see how these, um, these indriyas I was talking about last night in faith, discernment, um, persistence, being thorough about it. Concentration or samadhi, sense of a, a unity. And mindfulness. The faith is to keep that Remembering that, have that little shrine somewhere 
You don't have to be this. That's what the shrine says. Whatever image, you know, or no image. It just says, you're free, you don't, you don't need to be this. <laughs> Whatever it is you're being not right now. You, don't, you can be it, but you don't need to be it. You know, that's, that's an act of faith. That's a kind of gift. It's a nice gift. You know. Sometimes it doesn't have much weight to it. You go, oh, okay, right, what well, that means. Mm-hmm. You know. So then the sense of, let's be a bit discerning, that particular piece that right now you're holding up or you're tightening around or you're pushing or you feel some weight carrying, that's the piece we're talking about. That's the piece. It's not kind of an, a blanket statement. It's, it's a, applied to a particular piece that you thoroughly look around and you find, is there something here that's standing between myself and freedom? So faith is the sense that you could be free. There could be this, there is this. And now is there anything standing in the way? Ah, yeah, I'm okay, I guess. Yeah, so, ah, okay, fine. Yeah, it's all right. Mustn't grumble. As they say in England, mustn't grumble. So is that is that it then? <laughs> you know, because we can put up with and we can accept and we can get on and so forth. I can do that. Well, is there anything you know between yourself? Is this an unconditioned freedom? Well, I feel a bit tired actually. Uh huh. So, what's that? Then you maybe touch into something like you're kind of tired, heavy, sad. You know, so it kind of unpeels as you rest with things. It doesn't, doesn't seem very significant at first. It's sad, uh, tired, a little bit heavy. It doesn't. It's not massive, but it's just, you touch into little strands um, that perhaps you need to just. Okay, there it is. There's where the charge is, and you feel as you come into the into the the real um, place of that energy. It's got a charge. First, it's kind of muffled. It's just something you. It's at the side side peripheral vision. It doesn't seem like much. Just nothing much particular. And then as you you kind of sense it, and then you feel the charge of it which is, say, something that really catches you. You You feel sad, or you feel angry, or you feel something of that nature. Wait, just wait. Because the tendency is to kind of deflect. doesn't matter. Go somewhere else. Look at something else. Focus on something else. You know, a kind of flicker. Because these charges are upsetting. They take us out of the stable, coping, can-do, I'm-all-right place, which is where, you know, we want to live, really. We've got to live. But in terms of meditation, you're putting all that to one side for now because you want to go into something, some depths, 
yeah, of course, you could, we can all live, we can all function, we're all good enough, we can all, yeah, you know, that's taken. But then to really clear, clean out some of these things that are standing between your, yourself and freedom, which you, you could be. You, know, you, you, can, you can taste that. It's there for you. Then what does it take just to, so that these, why, you know, we have this discernment, why you have, need samadhi is because you have to have something that can really hold you steady when things start feeling a little bit rocky, you know. Things feel a little bit, um, your identity starts to shake up a bit, you know? your, uh, mood, your mood shifts, your moods change. Uh, the ground starts to feel more wobbly, you feel pressed. Then the samadhi is something, there's a sense of beneath this, you've got your feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Something like a bed, bedrock. You can then, then, just, then the ability to mindful um, stay. Stay with that and widen, soften, release. Now release isn't something actually you can do because that's shrugging off. It's not shrugging off, it's widening and softening as long as it takes. doesn't matter. Sometimes it's just all that, that we just manage to, we find there's a diminution of that charge, it slips away. You know, it, it kind of moves off. You haven't really completed it, but you've taken some of the sting out of it. It comes back less often with less power. So it's the way you, you kind of uh, work, okay, work out old karma, is the phrase. What it means is the stored up history, the stored up memory, the stored up patterns, the stored up behaviors, the dents in the system, you might say, you know, to be visited with a quality of purity, of straightness, of openness, to allow that dent to come out, to allow that bruise to come out, to allow that peace to to be cleared. So we really want to know behaviors, actually, as to what they contain. Whether we're completely off-center, so we're hanging on to some kind of role or function that's got placed on us, or we've bought into because of our inherent interest in being something, you know, successful, solid, worthwhile, and so on. (laughs) So we take a form. And then, you know, so being able to come out of that, because, you know, certainly it's not to say that one shouldn't take a form or be a person or have a function or a role, but it's much lighter when you're not invested in it. Because you've got another place that gives you the, the sense of stability. 
the sense of unconditioned acceptance, the sense of feeling well. So you're not, you know, you're not expecting that from what you do. And interestingly enough, this makes your your behaviours then become free and clear. And there's no pressure in them. So, things like, you know, greed has got pressure in it. Aversion has got pressure in it. There's no pressure. Those forms don't crystallize. So you don't have to kind of slap something on top. You know, it's not like you've got some greed and grasping, so you put something on top of it, like, um, well, uh, you know, put some kindness on top of it, or put some, try and look at, make it look more presentable. It's really um, behaviors, what I'm loosely calling behaviors. These are not necessarily physical actions, they're men- mental behaviors, which are when they're coming from um, you know, the basis of an identity or a form or a performance or a social role or some, something, some shape that we've got to be, they're always going to be beset by this uh, inner critic, inner tyrant. You know? implacable um, one voice, sound thing, quality that's always saying, well you're that much good and you better get better and you, that was lazy wasn't it, you didn't work hard enough <laughs> think you are because you're never going to get that right and another thing you did wrong, I remember five years ago you didn't get it right either so, yeah. <laughs> and you're only doing this because you're such a neurotic you know, so <laughs> So that that's the territory. Do you hear that that voice come in? And sometimes it, you know, it's got a kind of compressing energy to it. Very very believable. Yeah. It's got, you know, captures a huge amount of emotional energy. You know, wait a minute here. You can't you can't ever win. You can never get. You're never going to get a single act of grace or kindness compliment from the inner tyrant. It, is, you know, it doesn't do that. It cannot do that. It will never. It cannot ever give you a day off, an hour off, a minute off, a moment off. It is just not part of what it does. It can only demand more. It can only keep raising the bar. So you, you can't bother with trying to trying to follow that or even understand it. You, know, you just want to. Okay. Here we are in madness again. Stop, you know. Then start to feel what your energy is doing. Feel yourself come back into your body. Touch the ground. Come into basic presence. You know, I wouldn't even, don't even think about it. 
just to come out of that place because it's so hypnotic. Um, so you, that ability to return to the primary ground and then, okay, so now, you know, from this place, what can, you, what can come forth from this place? What can come forth from this place? Well, what cannot come forth from this place is a success. What cannot come forth from this place is unconditioned praise. What cannot come forth from this place is unconditioned happiness. What can come forth from this place is compassion. What can come forth from this place is clarity. What can come forth from this place is spaciousness. That's real. Find your welfare, your well-being in that. Mm-hmm. Then you, you know, and the, there's a sense of relief. Look, this is this is sacred. Mm-hmm. This is the sacredness in our life. This is what um, is possible. You know, because there's an energetic quality to this, uh, this tyrant stuff, it can be useful to just with deliberately stop, just breathe out, and stop breathing. <laughs> you know, this is really crude stuff, but, you know, when you're dealing with a tyrant, you, you play dirty if you need to, you know. <laughs> doesn't kick you in the shins, it doesn't really matter. You can't do dialogue. <laughs> so if you just kind of breathe out and stop, stop, hold your breath for about 20 seconds, you find after a while you stop thinking. <laughs> you know, it just pulls you back into your body. And then you let go gently. You can feel the body starts to reassert itself. You come back to, it takes you out of that spin, you know. Takes you out of the trance, trance breaker. The other thing you can recognize is just that what we always benefit from is acknowledging, you know, this this voice, this system, it's something other. It's like a parasite or a virus that you got infected with. And this happens to everybody. It's not like something specifically wrong with you. <laughs> you know, this is the same for other people. So we get a sense of spaciousness and compassion in that. You know, and imagine if this is happening to someone else. What would you tell them if somebody came to you and said, "You know, I, I come, so, you know, I messed up. You know, I I can't do the bathroom properly. You know, I really." I'm a good yogi. I try to. I just can't clean this bathroom as well as it should be cleaned. And you go, bathroom, cleaned. What? <laughs> so how we can kind of, you know? I had a, I had a, I had a lustful thought this morning. One lustful thought. <laughs> I, you know, I want to strangle my children. Only strangle them, not poison them, boil them in oil. 
Everybody thinks that, don't they? <laughs> just one, you know, these are kind of, so you get some sense of, oh, it's that, isn't it? So that kind of, and then, you know, so it just helps you to, to step back and pause and widen over that whole area. So you get a sense so you can see sometimes this this very energy like Mara. And sometimes in the scriptures it's described as a kind of smoke. The Buddha says, see that shadow? See that smoke moving there? That's Mara. And so you can almost feel it as a kind of tangled, twisted sense in the energy. So you just, and then you know that. Just that. And the other thing you can contemplate, if it's meaningful, is is who you become when you're under that, under his thumb. Who you sense yourself as being, generally small. Small and tight, you know. You kind of sense this little shriveled, you know, undernourished or hurt or something that's not driven or hard. And then, wow, there she is. There he is, you know. And give that one some kindness and some space. You know, you sense yourself somewhere still nine years old. You know, whatever it feels like. Do you want to? You don't have to be that anymore. But it's not about being something else. It's about finding what you've become in that moment when you're under the, in the trance. And then you feel that, you sense that particular form, that identity. Pause, hold it with awareness, soften, widen, come out of that, release that.